All right, we are continuing with our sermon series called The Life, where we are walking chronologically through the events um, that of the life of Jesus. And today we are going to talk about this subject. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And our text is found in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. And it says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They all replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So we're just going to spend a couple minutes today speaking on this. Who do you say that I am? And I'm going to pray over us real quick. God, we thank you uh, for this awesome opportunity to come into your presence and hear your word. God, there is no other story greater than the one that we have been walking through. God, you asked of your disciples, who What are people saying about me? What do people say that I am? And then you even ask your disciples, who do you say that I am? God, I hope through this message you speak to us so we know the answer to that question. So when people ask of us, who is Jesus? We know the power that comes with that and we know the name to call upon. God, I pray that you speak through me. God, help us to leave stirred, challenged, and changed. The Bible says your word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that you use the sword of your word today, God, to pierce our hearts. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. So we started on Christmas with the, um, <clears throat> the birth of Jesus. We walked through his childhood. We walked through um, him being baptized. We walked through him being um, tempted in the wilderness. We started off with the miracles, Jesus turning water into wine at a wedding. And from there, things escalated really quickly. He started healing people and he started opening blinded eyes and he started forgiving people of their sins and telling them to go and sin no more. We talked about the Sermon on the Mount uh, where Jesus got up and preached a message. He taught us how to pray. He taught us how to be blessed. And then we moved into the parables, the analogies, the, uh, the metaphors that Jesus used to teach us about the kingdom of God. Last week, we talked about Jesus feeding the 5,000 men, probably roughly between 15 and 20,000 people. So that was last week. And this week, we're talking about this small interaction with his disciples. It's only four verses, and it's a very small interaction. And although it's only four verses, it spans not only to the rest of the Gospels, but it expands further into the whole Bible when we are talking about who Jesus is. So in between Jesus feeding the fifteen to 20,000 people, and here we have a couple things that happen. One of the major things that happened, and a lot of people already know the story, but Jesus walked on the water. And then Peter walked on the water with him. So that happened in between here. And I guess the disciples and the followers of Jesus didn't get the message the first time. So Jesus fed another crowd of 4,000 people with just a little bit of food. And here we are after that happens. He's in a region of Caesarea Philippi. And he asks his disciples a simple question. Who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. 
I wonder if the same question was asked um, today, who people, what people would say who Jesus is. Well, we found a video of someone that was interviewing with this specific question, and we want to show it to you right now. Who do you believe the person of Jesus Christ to be? That's a tough question. He's the main guy for Christianity, I guess. He's cool. Jesus Christ. Who is he to you? He's just Jesus, man. I don't know. He's just, this is a cool guy, man. He's awesome. A carpenter from 2,000 years ago. A Jew, definitely. And yeah, he was a reformer, but I don't believe him to be the Messiah at all. Now, who do you believe Jesus Christ to be? Ooh, I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I mean, I believe he existed, um, but I believe that he might have been like a rock star, like, you know, pretty cool. Like maybe he, people thought he was super cool, but I don't believe in him as like a religious force. He's a person in history. That's all. It's a comfy story that probably makes people feel secure. Who do I believe Jesus Christ to be? Like, what kind of question is that? Who is, is, he, to, is he anything to you at all? Or? What's your I mean, he's a religious figure. He uh, had, I mean, he obviously had a good message to send. I don't know if I, he's not my savior, but he's, he was a good guy for sure. Jesus Christ to be. I think Jesus Christ pretty much is um, who you believe yourself to be. I think Jesus Christ was a magician. I mean, he studied, you know, he studied in the Far East, kind of like David Blaine, but like he had way cooler tricks. He's a dead man um, who uh, had an enormous impact on the world, right? uh, said a lot of wise things, um, and uh, was the man of his time. He's like God that you can talk to, I guess. Like, yeah, I like that. Yeah, God that you can talk to. I mean, when I pray, I pray. I just say, like, God, and I say, like, thank you, Jesus. But, yeah, I think that they're both kind of listening. It's kind of like a conference call. <laughs> Who do you believe Jesus Christ to be? Jesus Christ? Uh, I don't know, the Savior? <laughs> Guy from history. Who is Jesus Christ? John McCain is Jesus Christ. I, I believe in the historic personage of Jesus, but I don't, I don't really buy into the water and to wine. A person, that, a historical figure, that's it. To me, he's a guy that I guess he, he started... <laughs> A, a thing with some people, and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it turned into something he didn't intend, and uh, you know that sucks. But um, you know, he meant he meant well. I think Jesus Christ is everybody. Everybody? Um, yeah. I don't know. I think what everyone. I think that everyone has a little bit of Jesus in them, or God, or something like that. No, I believe in God, but I don't know who it is. I just think okay. I just think it's, it's someone uh, above us, you know. Jesus Christ is. I mean, obviously a very important historical figure, but for me, that's kind of where it ends. He definitely did not die for my sins. Mm -hmm. Maybe existed. I don't believe that he's going to save me or any of this sort, but I don't mind that other people believe that. I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I don't believe there is such a person. I actually don't know yet. Um, it's just something that I'm still trying to figure out exactly what I believe in and what Mean, what it really means to me to even have a religion right now. So we heard from some people about what they thought that Jesus was, who Jesus was. Man, he was just awesome. He was this cool guy, you know, he was just awesome. I don't know, he's cool, man. He's like David Blaine, but with some cooler tricks. 
I heard John McCain in there. I don't know, understand that uh, correlation, I guess. Some things I heard over and over again, though, he was a religious man. He was a historical figure, uh, somewhat like God on a conference call. Jesus is just us. He's just, he's just all of us. And some chose to explain who Jesus was by who he was not. Jesus didn't exist. Jesus is not a savior. Uh, he definitely didn't die for my sins. So I thought that was interesting. Some chose to explain who Jesus was by who he wasn't. But my question is, why is it so difficult for us to believe what the Bible claims about Jesus? And I get it. We're 2,000 years removed from when this man actually walked the earth. Some of the things that happened in the Gospels were crazy things. But why is it so difficult? We have four books that corroborate this story about Jesus, but as a, as a society, we don't accept it. We accept the writings about other historical figures, such as Julius Caesar and Socrates, but not Jesus. And one of the biggest arguments about Jesus and what happened in the Bible is that historical documents range, uh, writings range from when the time he lived to up to 60 years after he died. When I heard that, even I kind of, I was just like, whoa, that's, that's kind of crazy. 60 years, um, we're reading stuff that, uh, that happened, but it was written 60 years after Jesus died. That's not a really good, uh, that's just not a really good backbone for Christianity, right? Well, let's talk about Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar wrote an autobiography in the first century. So he wrote about himself. There was this man that claimed to be Julius Caesar. I don't think any of us argue that Julius Caesar existed or that the things that happened to him uh, did. We all have read the play, I'm sure. So he wrote this autobiography in the first century. There is no other writing about Caesar's existence that somebody else wrote about Caesar until the ninth century, which is to say there's no other writing about Julius Caesar until 900 years after he lived. So the earliest evidence we actually have is 900 years later, whereas we have contemporary documentation that Jesus existed. I want to read this excerpt from a book that I read this week. It says, Many hesitate to see Jesus in the same light as Caesar since the gospel sources testify that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God and performed unusual signs and wonders to validate his claim. But Jesus had such a big public reputation that a wide array of other sources make similar testimony about the dispute surrounding Jesus' work. This is beyond dispute and something most don't think about. Even sources tied to Jesus' opponents make this testimony. Jewish sources report that Jewish reaction to Jesus and reveal they believed his miracles were sourced in malevolent power. We see the same thing reported in the Gospels, Matthew 12, Mark 3, Luke 11. In Justin Martyr's second century debate with Trypho, Trypho argues Jesus was a magician. Similar charges appeared in the Talmud where he is called a sorcerer. This is significant because it demonstrates no one was arguing that the accounts of Jesus' actions were fabricated and mythical. An argument so popular today isn't even made by ancients in their public discussions of Jesus. 
What is this saying? It's saying that we have historical documents of people that lived at the same time as Jesus who didn't even argue that he did crazy things. And they were his opponents. But all of a sudden, here we are 2,000 years later. We don't believe those words. But when asked the question, who is Jesus? At least we have an excuse to be skeptical. We are 2,000 years later. We didn't see it happen. Jesus asked this question on earth of people that witnessed it and they still got the answer wrong. Some said that he was John the Baptist. Others said that he was Elijah. Others said he was Jeremiah or one of the prophets. What's ironic about this is back in those times, it was the religious people who were saying he's not the Messiah. It was the council members. It was the people who had uh, memorized scripture from the Old Testament that are standing up and saying, this guy is not the Messiah. Whereas today it's the religious people that are saying, Jesus is the Messiah. And it's the unbelievers that are saying, no, he's not. Back then it was the religious people saying, no, he's not the Messiah. And it was the ones that didn't know very much that were saying, yes, he is. Someone thought he was John the Baptist, but let's look at what John the Baptist said about Jesus. John the Baptist was a preacher. We talked about him. He was the precursor to Jesus, but he was not a political man. I can very uh, strongly say that. This was a man who lived in the wilderness. He ate grasshoppers. He wore like this camel. Like it's, we talked about, he's a weird dude. He was just a weird dude. He was the one getting up in people's faces and yelling at them to repent. But when John the Baptist talked about Jesus, he said, there's somebody coming after me who's so powerful and so awesome, I'm not even worthy to unbuckle his shoe. And when he saw Jesus walking from afar off, he said, behold the Lamb of God. He's going to take away the sin of the world. To put this in our context... Um, who is Jesus? What, what would we say about Jesus? I know that's a difficult thing when we want to talk to other people about Jesus because maybe we don't know all of the answers. Maybe we don't have every answer to every question, which I don't know when that became the, uh, the prerequisite to witness to somebody. If you're sitting with your first grader and you are doing simple addition, I'm guessing they learned that somewhere around there. And I don't know, I don't have kids. But Let's say you're, you're sitting with your child and learning two plus two equals four and you're teaching them math. Somebody's not gonna come up to you and say, oh, you think you know math, do you? Here's a calculus problem. Figure it out. You say you know math. So when did the requirement to teach somebody or ask somebody if they wanna come to church to say, hey, you have to know everything there is to know about Jesus and religion? We talked about this in our small group, and I, and I want to tell you about the story that happens in the Gospels. So there was this blind man that Jesus healed, and the Pharisees are trying to catch Jesus. They're looking for a reason to throw him in jail or to kill him. So the Pharisees go up to his parents and say, we're looking for this guy. We want to know who Jesus is. And the parents say, he's a grown man. Just go ask him yourself. So they go up to this man who was blind, but he was healed. And they ask him, hey, you know this guy's a sinner, right? Tell us, tell us that he's a sinner. Tell us that he's a sinner. And his response is so awesome. He said, hey, whether he's a sinner or not, I, I honestly don't even know the answer to that question. But I'll tell you what I do know. I was blind, 
but now I see. That's my interaction with Jesus. And sometimes it doesn't have to be a theological debate. You don't have to go to scripture after scripture after scripture. When somebody asks you who this is, like, honestly, there's a lot of things I don't know about him. But I walked into the bridge with a lot of things going on, and I walked out feeling a whole new person. I walked in needing uh, a savior. I was addicted to things. I, I walked in needing a deliverer. And then all of a sudden I walked out and things were different. I walked in old and then all of a sudden I felt new. I walked in with things that I felt were just weighing me down. And all of a sudden I walked out and it just wasn't that way anymore. I'm telling you, you're going to win more people over by what God has done for you than looking it up in scripture and showing them something that was written down. The Bible tells us that we are overcomers not only by the blood of the lamb, but by the words of our testimony. So Jesus asked this question, who, what are people saying about me? Who do men say that I am? All of the disciples answered, and they were wrong. Then he turns and says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? I think this is important to note that Jesus asked his disciples who they think he is. Because no matter what they answered about what other people thought or what they think that he is, it doesn't change who Jesus is. But he's asking because he's saying, hey, it matters what you believe about this. So who do you say that I am? Because here's the deal, disciples, I'm, I'm about to go away. And if you think that I'm just a moralist or that I'm a good example or you think that I'm just a good guy that turns the other cheek, this thing's going to fizzle out, but if you think that I am the Messiah, the son of the living God, this thing is going to wreck the world from here until I come back. So it matters what you believe. I want to focus on this, this uh, phrase, I am. I told you this is four verses that happen. This is an exchange of four verses between him and his disciples, but it's so much bigger than that. I am is... I am is something huge in the Bible. And it all starts in Exodus chapter three. So I'm gonna tell you what's going on here. Um, Moses is a shepherd and he's tending his sheep and uh, all of a sudden this bush catches on fire. But it's not being consumed. It's not, um, it's not disintegrating. It's just a bush that's on fire. Um, so Moses walks up to this bush and God speaks to him and says, Take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. So he takes off his shoes and God talks to Moses and he says, I see what's going on with the children of Israel. So as this is going on, Israel is enslaved in Egypt to a man named Pharaoh. He says, I see what's going on there. They have my heart and I want you to be the person that leads them out of captivity in Egypt. Pick up in verse 10, it says, this is God speaking to Moses. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I do go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. 
I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. Is that not the greatest like mic drop moment of all time? Hey, who, who should I tell him to send me? I just am, man. I just am. I am what? I just am. This is the epitome of his self-existence. Everything in relation to God is encapsulated in this statement, I am. There is nothing that God is today that God wasn't when he spoke the words, I am, to Moses. There is nothing that God is today that he wasn't when he spoke the words, let there be light, and there was light. There is nothing that God is today that he won't be at some other point in the future. He already is those things. The Bible says that he was and is and is to come. He never changes. He is ever constant. You see, we become things. We change. We become old. We become husbands. We become wives. We become fathers. We become mothers. We become children. We become liars. We become cheaters. We become things based off of what we do. Jesus doesn't become things. He already is. God doesn't become things. He already is. Long before Jesus ever hung on a cross, he was already a savior. Long before he turned water into wine at a wedding, he was a miracle worker. Because he is, man. He just is. We are defined by the choices we make and the way we are viewed, but Jesus is defined by his very nature because he is. He is what? That's a great question. What do you need? What do you need? Do you need a savior? I am. Do you need a healer? I'm that too. Do you need a comforter? Do you need peace? Do you need a friend? I hope so because that's who I am. That is my nature. And how awful is it that we reduce the great I am to some moralistic role model, a historical figure, a good example, a good friend. We have sayings like, what would Jesus do? You know who that saying was probably made up by? It was probably made up by somebody that didn't even believe in Jesus, directed towards a Christian, say, hey, hey, what would Jesus do in this situation? And what they mean by that is Jesus would probably prefer his brother. Or Jesus would turn the other cheek. Or Jesus would uh, be a good friend in that situation. Or Jesus would forgive. And yes, he would do all of those things. But what would Jesus do? Let me tell you what Jesus would do. Jesus would walk up to a lame man and say, rise, get up, take your bed and walk. He would walk up to a blind man, spit in the ground, pick up the mud, which is gross, and pour it and smear it all over his eyes and wipe it away, and he would all of a sudden be able to see. That's what Jesus would do. He would walk into a town called Bethany and he would tell a man who had been laying in the grave for four days to get up and live. That's what Jesus would do. 
He would come to this earth, take on the form of a servant, be made in the likeness of men. He would go, he would be bruised and beaten, be stabbed with a spear, get thirsty and take vinegar to drink, be mocked and die for your sins. That's what Jesus would do. And even in this sermon series, there's only so many ways that we can say, hey, Jesus did a miracle. There's only so many ways that we can say he healed somebody or he fed a lot of people with not a lot of food. So we look for these little practical applications that we give to you every every week, like, hey, be accountable or live within your means. And here in a little bit, I'm gonna give you a practical application, but God help us if we think that the story of the gospels is for Jesus to come to tell us to be accountable. God, help us if we think that the the moral of the story here is to live within our means. No, what we want you to understand that there was a man that walked this earth that did supernatural and powerful things. I was listening to a podcast this week and I actually texted us and I was like, this is what this guy just said and I'm using it. But he said, we have tried to make Jesus so not powerful and so easy to get in a relationship with and so not terrifying that we've kicked all the teeth out of the Lion of Judah. I'm here to tell you, and people that took, um, that were in our small group know this from last time, man, God is big and he is powerful and he does what he wants. We should fear that. We should fear somebody that has power to just strike judgment at any time. We should fear someone that has the power to annihilate us if he wanted to. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That we need to have a healthy understanding that he is big and he is powerful. We used to sing a song that he is not just a man, but he's God. He's the lion of Judah. He is powerful and he does amazing things. So before we close here, I want to um, tell you, I want to ask this question, who does Jesus claim to be just in the Gospels? Just in the Gospels. I'm going to run through these fairly quickly here. Jesus said in John chapter six, he said, I am the bread of life. Now this day and age, we look at bread as a bad thing. I am the carbs of life. We look at bread as a bad thing because it takes a long time to get out of our system. It's hard to work off. So Jesus is saying, I'm the sustainability here. I'm the one that sustains you. I'm the one that it takes a, ha- a long time to get out of your system. I am the light of the world. Here we see this again before Abraham was, I already am. Jesus said, I am the door. And what he means by that is, I am the only way. You can't get in without me. But in that same chapter, chapter he says, but I'm also the good shepherd. And you know what the good shepherd does? He gives his life for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And in John chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. That's who Jesus claims to be in the Gospels. I, um, I've known I was going to preach this message for a while now. Um, <clears throat> and I was telling Dustin a couple weeks ago, I'm like, dude, I am just excited about this one. I'm just excited about this one. And maybe it's the last time I preached, I felt like I just had a huge sledgehammer and I was just beating away on y'all the whole time about salvation. So maybe it's just refreshing to stand up and talk about who God is. And I'm not going to lie. It might sound sadistic, but I kind of like the sledgehammer stuff sometimes. Um, that's why we have different people that preach, because if I did it every week, you'd leave me like, man, Jared just thinks we are awful people. Um, but I just told him, man, I am so excited about this message because I'm just, man, telling you what God says about who he is. And man, I had this all planned out how we, it was going to end and everything like that. And probably Monday, Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday of this week, I just felt like God pushed me in a different direction. Even yesterday we were up here and like, I couldn't get like certain people off my mind. So I'm just like shooting off texts and stuff. And, and I don't, I don't know why we're in in this way, but this is, this is what we're going to do. Jesus is the greatest and, and we could talk all day about that. And we need to understand that. And, and what I said earlier, it matters what you think about Jesus. If he's just some historical figure or moralist or uh, philanthropist, we're missing the boat on this. But if we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God, the question is, who does Jesus say that we are? So Jesus asked this question, who do men say that I am? And all of the disciples say, well, people are saying that you're John the Baptist or that you're Elijah or that you're Jeremiah or that you're one of the prophets. He says, okay, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And there's only one person that responded to this question. John, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 19 says this, but what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. You are Petra. You are a rock. And on you, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let me tell you about Peter for one second. Peter's like my spirit animal. Um, I see probably a lot of myself in Peter. Um, Peter was a hothead. Um, if there was a person with anger issues among the 12, it was probably Peter. There wasn't an introverted bone in Peter's body. He's the one that uh, in your conference calls or in your conference room, he's the one everyone else is trying to talk and he's just buttoning in whenever he can putting in his two cents. He's the guy that you turn to your neighbor with the nonverbals and just be like, man, I wish this dude would just shut up. Peter answers this question. Who do men or who do you say that I am? He answers this question and he gets it right. And Jesus goes on and on and builds him up and, and pats him on the back. 
And just a couple verses later, Jesus is gonna say, Peter, you're gonna deny me before this is all said and done. He said, I would never do that. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan. So he went from getting patted on the back to being called Satan just a couple verses later. In a couple chapters, Peter's gonna get so angry that he takes out his sword and cuts off a man's ear. Peter, when Jesus needs him the most and is about to be crucified, Peter is going to be standing around a fire with people and they're gonna say, weren't you with that guy? I don't know what you're talking about, not me. No, 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 I recognize you. You were were with him, weren't you? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, even the way that you talk, I can tell that you were with him. You're lying to us. And he began to curse them out and deny that he was ever with Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times he denied Jesus. And you know what Jesus says about Peter? You're a rock, man. I'm gonna build this whole thing on you. And I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom and not even hell is going to be able to do anything about it. And whatever you allow down here, I'm gonna allow in heaven. And whatever you bind down here, I'm gonna bind it in heaven. And Peter in Acts chapter two is going to preach the first and best message that has ever been preached. Some hot-headed guy with anger issues who won't shut up, who's going to deny Christ, that cuts off a man's ear. He's going to build everything on Peter. Let's all stand. We're about to sing this song, but before we do that, I want everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. I'm gonna ask this question of you, the same question that Jesus asked his disciples. What are people saying about you? Who do people say that you are? You know that Jared guy, I don't know if you've ever played sports with him, but that dude loses his cool so quickly on the ball court. And God help you if you ever ride with that man and somebody cuts him off because it's just, it's just not gonna be pretty. And you know, I was hanging out with Jared one time and all he did was talk negatively about this person and I was hanging out with him another time and he straight up lied to my face. And you know what, there's a lot of other things that I've done that I would be totally embarrassed to say through this microphone. What are people saying about you? Oh, that person, that person's a failure, man. They can't get anything right. I mean, look at their marriage, it's in shambles. Have you seen the decisions that person's made? That family can't even make ends meet from month to month. How unsuccessful is that person? This person's a loser because they're this age and they're not far enough in life where they should be. That person, that person's a cheater, man. If I've ever seen a cheater, that person's a cheater. If I've ever seen a liar, that person's a liar. If I've ever seen a person with anger issues, that person 
has anger issues. And let me tell you, the thing that cripples our heart is they might just be right. Because we've made some decisions in life that aren't the best, man. We found ourselves in predicaments of, of things that we've done that we're just not happy about. But if we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and if we believe that He is the Son of the living God, let me encourage you with what Jesus has to say about you. He says, I don't care about that junk. Because I say to you, and what I say is the only thing that matters, that you are a rock. You are steadfast. You are always there. You are my child. You are loved. You are mine. You are known. You have a name. You are forgiven. You are a mighty warrior. You are a child of the ever-living King. He is the only thing that matters.
God, you tell me that I am loved. You tell me that I am known. You died for me and that I'll never be alone. You tell me I'm your child, the one that your heart beats for. I can find my strength knowing that I am yours. I told you that I'm going to give you some practical applications. So this is what we're going to do. We're just going to take a moment and pray. I'm going to pray and I'm going to dismiss y'all if y'all need to go. We're going to take a moment though and pray. And this is what I want us to do. Here's the thing. I know some people in this very building are not okay right now. They're not okay right now. And one thing, I listen to a podcast and I hear it over and over again from this church. It says, man, it's okay to not be okay. That's what we're here for. So we're going to do two things after we pray. Number one, if you're bold enough to say, you know what, I'm one of those people, I just need encouragement. Then we're going to have some leaders here at the front. It's not going to be weird. It's not going to say anything weird. They're just going to they're just gonna hug you and say, you know what? God says that you are a child of his. God says that you are loved, man. I want you to know that he died for you. And we're just gonna encourage you a little bit with what God has already said about us. That's the first thing. If you're bold enough to walk down here, there will be a leader down here that will pray for you and just speak some encouragement, maybe something that you need to hear into your life. Man, you are a mighty warrior in Christ. You are a child of His. And there's no other greater label that could be put on you. We're not defined by our circumstances, but we are defined by by what He says about us. That's the first thing. Number two, whether it's right now or sometime this week, I want you to pull out a pen and paper or pull out your phone and start making some notes. And I want you to write those things down that God's speaking into your own life. I am loved. I am a child of His. I am not alone, no matter how alone I feel right now. I am not a failure. I am successful in Him. I am a rock and Jesus is building things on me. And not even hell is gonna be able to overcome it. So if you're not in a circumstance right now when you do get in one you can pull out your phone or you can pull out that piece of paper and say man God is awesome and I am things in him so if you're bold enough I'm asking you to come down after we pray if not maybe just sit down and write some things out or pray at your at your at your uh, seat or leave the, the choices are endless really I'm going to pray for us right now God we thank you for your word uh, There is no greater revelation than knowing exactly who you are. God, that you are not just a prophet or a moralist or a philanthropist or some kind of altruistic person that lived in history. But God, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Messiah, God. You are the one that when everything else seems hopeless, we speak your name and circumstances automatically change. God, you are the only one that we can walk into this place and feel burdens. But God, when we leave this place, we feel light. We take on your burden, your yoke, which is light and easy. God, help us to not forget who we have in our corner. God,
God, that you are for us. You are fighting our battles for us. God, and if there are people in this place who feel unsuccessful or feel like they are a failure or feel like they're not good enough or that they're not far enough along or that they are unsuccessful because of their job or their marriage or their divorce or decisions that they made, God, that you put your arm around them and say, no, you are not labeled by the world. You are labeled by me. And I say that you are good enough. I say that you are my child. God, for those of us who have to leave, we pray that you bring us back safe and sound next week. God, we just want to enjoy your presence for a little bit. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.